Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, living the dream, Pat. <laughs> living the dream. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about you uh, kind of settling into your new your new digs, right? Yeah, I'm finally not going to sleep on the floor anymore. Yeah, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the box spring uh, for our mattress uh, it, it broke uh, while moving. I'm going to go with that. Move. Yeah, yeah. Moving. <laughs> Moving okay, um, uh, so ba- ba- box it's very nice. <laughs> so, me and my girlfriend have basically been sleeping on the floor for the past week, and yep. we finally went and bought a, a real big boy, uh, and big girl, uh, mattress. So, what size did you get? Oh, uh, we got the king, good we got man. the king, good man. We so would have got, I- we would have got the California king, but they don't, they don't make that, uh, they'll make that many of them. No, those are sweet. Have you ever, there's like a Montana king too that's even bigger really yes i think it's called a montana king or like a wyoming king it's insane <laughs> did like the wyoming marketing department like pay some just, manufacturers extra i just think in those areas <laughs> there's more space for bedding so you just can like fit them there you know there's not a lot of space in california to fit bed i don't think there's a lot of california kings in california now, what what i want to do pat what i know i've really made it when i just have an entire room of my house where the floor is just a mattress and then you can just hang out wherever you want. That's called a sanitarium, Jerry. And that's somewhere you don't want to be. And then the, the walls are padded, too. <laughs> so you can just bounce off the walls and they give out stylish jackets when you get here. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, of course. Well, uh, let's let's uh, let's introduce our guest here, Jerry. So um, I always tell people like, hey, if you have something cool going on in your local local legacy scene or you want to talk about someone on the show, just just message us. And and uh, our guest here messaged me on Twitter. and was like, hey, uh. There was a big legacy event in Seattle and uh, he wanted to talk about it. And it says, come on the show. Let's he's like, well, actually, he, Jonathan said, I can get you in touch with people who won the, someone else who won the event. I'm like, let's just talk to you, man. Let's go right to the source. So uh, I want to welcome Jonathan Johnson onto the cast. What's going on, Jonathan? Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It's been a while since we had uh, some West Coasters on the cast. So it'll be good to kind of catch up with the West Coast meta. Yeah, uh, it seems like it's uh, probably pretty similar, but we'll we'll chat through that and I'll yeah. give you an idea because there was the day one tournament and then the team trios after kind of adjusting to what everybody was doing too. Nice, sweet. Uh, well, let's let's start off with some of the bare basics, Jonathan. Like, how did you get into Magic? It's been, like I said, uh, I was telling him in the pre-show. It's been a while since we've had someone like brand new who we haven't talked to a bunch of times in the podcast. So I kind of want to get a little bit of your background and find out you know more about you. So tell us about how you got into Magic. Yeah, you know, I started playing pretty early uh, when I was young. A friend introduced me to it, just had some cool looking art, all the black cards. It just looked nasty and, uh, and evil. So I uh, started playing during Ice Age and had no idea what I was doing, building craw worm decks, all that kind of fun absolutely, stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, eventually, you know, kind of got to the point where I found that uh, goblins were pretty good back in what type 1.5 mm-hmm. so I built a goblin deck and i've always loved legacy and eventually got a big boy job and could buy dual links so <laughs> and that got you into what what deck are you playing now uh i played the jess guy saga uh deck okay so. yeah that's a deck that jerry and i've talked about quite a bit on the show that's cool so so tell us about the the, the store you went to 
Yeah, so Geek Fortress uh, in Washington, they're, they're just outside of Seattle. They do a Puget Sound Battleground, which is inviting mostly people from the Northwest shops to come and do a legacy tournament, a modern tournament, and then a team trios on the second day. Mm-hmm. And this is my third time uh, playing at this event. Nice. Cool. That's awesome. So uh, my experience with West Coast and Seattle is basically limited to GP Seattle when I went out there. Um, you know, how, is it close to like Card Kingdom or what's kind of like the the store meta? Like not just like the magic meta, but what's like the the store meta in the in the area? Yeah, so it is pretty close to Card Kingdom. It's it's a fairly short drive. And I would say Seattle has a really good legacy scene. Mm-hmm. I live closer to Portland, so I drive up and we have not a lot going on here, but uh, it's really thriving in Seattle. So there was, I think usually I expect to see a lot of lands decks. I saw a lot more this time than I really kind of anticipated for day one. So I did make some adjustments for day two. But as you would expect, lots of Delver, lots of uh, the Jeskai deck that I was playing, and then a ridiculous amount of uh, Tabernacle. A lot of tabernacles. Seventy-five percent of the world's tabernacles were in attendance that day. <laughs> it felt like a day one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's no surprise, you know. Seattle is the home of Wizards of the Coast. Makes sense mm-hmm. that there's a lot of magic, and when there's a lot of magic, especially along history of magic, that's when you really see, uh, you know, a lot of legacy players. Uh, so. It kind of kind of makes sense, you know, Seattle and then New England and um, kind of mid-Atlantic as well are kind of the the de facto hot spots of legacy mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. So have you have you lived there your whole life? Or are you a transplant? Yep. Yeah, no, I'm actually uh, native to the Portland area. So from the Northwest, born and raised. And I've always been really jealous of my neighbors to the north who get to play legacy really often. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far a drive is it? Is it like an hour or? It's like three hours. Oh, damn. That is much more than I thought. Oh, okay. So you are definitely committed to the legacy life. (laughs) Yeah, we we got a hotel room and, uh, you know, stayed for for a couple of nights to make it work. Awesome. Awesome. Well, honestly, those are some of my favorite events. Like before COVID, some of my favorite times were getting a hotel room and just going to a legacy event. And, you know, the fun really wasn't even in the tournament at that point. It was in, you know, staying up until 4 a.m. working on sideboard slots with your uh, your bunk mates. The GPs I've yeah. been to. Yeah, the GPs I've been to have always been like the most fun, like the, where you're doing all the traveling and hanging out. And yeah, that's 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 what I really live for there. I was going to say my first legacy, big legacy event was actually the G- GP Seattle. And that was where I bought some cards because my friend told me Eldrazi was good and uh, had never played a game of legacy before round one and then ended up in the feature match area. They called me up for uh, you know, my first ever game of legacy. Awesome. That's that you. So your first ever game of legacy was a feature round. <laughs> yeah, it was in the feature match area. I uh, was very skillfully played ancient tomb chalice and my opponent conceded. So was, uh... <laughs> Hey, whatever means necessary, whatever means necessary. <laughs> That's um, awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the tournament a little bit. So it was team trios and you want to mm-hmm. tell us what the, so you and I were kind of going back and forth in, in, in the, uh, in the, the Twitter chat. And you told me a little bit about the, the trios event. Tell us about the trios event. Yeah. So the trios is uh, team trios. You have modern legacy and pioneer. Uh, last time they did standard, but that was standard format sucks anyway. But mm. the um, format at that time was when they had Oko veil of summer 
and everybody was complaining about playing standard. So they said, Hey, we'll do pioneer next time. And now nobody plays pioneer and that format was messed up. So it was basically modern and legacy and sucker. One of your friends into playing pioneer. <laughs> I forgot pioneer was a format. <laughs> See that that for that. So like, I know trios are popular and people like trios, but I, I mm-hmm. never really like trios because that's always what happens. Like I'm a legacy player and all my friends are legacy players. And it's like, yeah, we can, we can scrounge up a modern player. That's fine. But then like, even finding like a standard player, mm. like, I don't know any standard players. <laughs> I've, I've been playing this game for 10 <laughs> years. And I it, like, if you held a gun to my head and said, get, call a standard player right now on your phone. I'm just like, Pat, I need you to make a lie for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only person I know who plays standard regularly is Zach Turgeon. That's the only person I can think of who I, who, who plays on like on a regular basis. And I'm not even hundred percent sure if he plays standard that much, but. Yeah, it, it, I, you do tend to kind of like, well, at least me personally, I associate with more legacy players than anything else. So how, how did you find your team, Jonathan? Uh, we actually, it was the same team we had last time. So we okay. made top four of the last event, the team trios. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just ran it back, wanted to, to try to finish the business we didn't finish last time. And uh, our previous standard player actually does play some of the other formats. So he okay. wasn't... Uh, too upset to play pioneer although the, the meta ended up sucking really bad but oh that sucks yeah so yeah so so pioneer is like a mini it's or it's like an extended standard format correct i can't even remember what the what the what the format is yeah it's it's like modern without fetch lands okay. um so they they banned the fetches and then uh tried to make some sort of like modern-esque format mm-hmm. when, when it first came out it was basically like old extended which mm-hmm. I really liked extended. I, 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 I miss extended, but, um, but then they just never rotated. They just kept, like, just kept adding. So they're just like, how is this really any different other than just a separate band list from modern? Mm-hmm. And like this and historic yeah. is like on like arena only. Correct. Yeah. I guess, I guess I get those two confused historic and pioneer. yeah. Historic is probably what pioneer would have been cool to be, but uh, they did the digital only cards and are doing yep. it only on arena. Yeah. I don't really play arena. So same. Was, yeah. Same. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to tell us about? So you said you ran the uh, the Jeskai Saga deck. Was this the one with like Dragons Rage Channeler and Ragman's yep. and whatnot? Dragons Rage Channeler, the Urza Saga, uh, Monkey, because you kind of have to run Monkey. Yeah. Uh, days. You know the combo. Yep. Uh, Merc tides. Yes, three Merc tides in my okay. list. Okay. And you know, originally I wanted to run a combo deck, so I, I like playing legacy decks that usually went in spectacular fashion but uh, my teammates didn't think i could handle the intricacies of a card like show and tell i mean <laughs> fair you can't just trust that power in anyone's hands it's true it has to be in a very special ape's hands to, to work properly <laughs> it's true uh, is, is so what kind of decks do you would you normally play for legacy events so i, I like graveyard nonsense uh, okay. chalice decks uh but chalice decks are just really bad with prismatic ending. Mm-hmm. So in the past, I've I played Dredge in the last one. I've played uh, Reanimator, that kind of stuff. I've had a lot of success in modern with blue tempo decks, but um, did testing to try to play basically anything other than a blue deck for this tournament. And after numerous two threes and one fours of just getting absolutely romped online, I uh, went ahead and bit the bullet, tried out this list that I saw online, immediately mm-hmm. five owed ran it back, got another 5-0, okay. and uh, more or less locked in that I was going to play Jeskai. 
Okay, nice. Um, were there any like big departures from like the standard list? Because though I'm looking at, I just pulled up one on Goldfish here, and it's it seems to be like fairly standard. Are you running like the Retrofitter Foundry Soul Guide Lantern in your list? Yep, Retrofitter yeah. Foundry and Soul Guide Lantern. Uh, I originally was testing the list with Standstill and Stifle. Okay. Um, again, if you're going to win in spectacular fashion, opponents having no permanence is a fun way to do it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I just found that, that that list Standstill felt really bad in a lot of matchups. Stifle was pretty situational. Mm-hmm. So the Dragon's Rage channeler being able to filter through your whole deck um, and just pick out where where you want certain cards and certain matchups mm-hmm. ended up being really huge. And that was the one I performed the best with. Yeah, man, I, Stifle is a card that I've always wanted to be really good because I'm obviously a Blue Red Delver player. And like mm-hmm. I've played it at times and I've never felt like, oh, man, this is the card that I want. It's always like just like either tier two or lower than what I actually want in my deck. And like I really want Stifle to be like a better card in the format, but it's just I think it's just gotten outclassed over the last few years. And it, you just don't really see it very much anymore. Stifle is such a pendulum in the tournament, in the in the meta, I feel, because you go from people saying it's like, oh, it's just, it's not worth the slot to people saying it's like, oh, you need it for the tempo. Personally, I feel just, you know, combo with stifle bat. And then you never have to worry about its power because <laughs> you just put dreadnoughts into play. <laughs> yeah, I did try that, go. too. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, tell us about tell us about, uh, you know, how how the deck functioned for you on, on the day. Like how many first of all, how many rounds did you guys end up playing? Uh, so the, the Swiss was six rounds okay. and then uh, the, the top eight. So we ended up drawing the last round. Ironically, we got paired up against our uh, local team that we tested with. So we were able to, to draw them into to okay. top eight too. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. So six rounds out, that was, must've been like 90, is it 96 teams or something like that? There were 64 teams. Oh, 64 teams. Okay. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good, that's an awesome, that's an awesome trios event. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. I mean, the the legacy event the day before had I think quite a few players too. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they broke a hundred, but they got pretty close to to that. Nice, that's awesome. Um, well, do you want to? I mean, it's it's obviously been a couple weeks now since you ran through the tournament, mm-hmm. but um, do you want to kind of walk us through your tournament and how you, how you did? Yeah, uh, I wrote down actually my matchups and like win loss and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's so, go for it. We, we had a bunch of people that we were testing with and some other folks from the local shop in Portland that I played with. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, you get paired against one of them in round one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> a guy by the name of, of Vinny, who actually had like a 73-card mirror match, so had virtually the same deck, except mm-hmm. for he has true name nemesis. So I always lose to that card. <laughs> uh, that was my only loss on the day, actually, was a 0-2 loss. But my team ended up winning. Uh, it was the mirror game one. Uh, I tapped out when he had three lands holding up a daze. Mm-hmm. He plays true name nemesis. I daze it. He dazes my days. And uh, I just gave the sad face as I got hit for three every turn until I died. Wow. Um, game two was kind of a non-game two. He had a Alpine moon. I did not. And then I drew th- all three of my Urza sagas. So, oh, Alpine uh, moon. Uh, Talk about a flash in the pan. That was something that kind of made a splash and it got released and we saw a little bit of it and then it's fallen off. So people are still running that on sideboards. Yeah, I actually ran two in my sideboard. Um, okay. So I went X and lands on day one of the tournament mm-hmm. and actually switched up my sideboard a bit to run two Alpine Moons and a second Pithing Needle. Okay. Um, so the Alpine Moons were really good against the Saga decks, which I played against a lot and ended up bringing that card in several times. 
That, I'm glad I'm glad that worked out to you for you because there is nothing more frustrating than being in a multi-day legacy event where you're allowed to change your deck list in between days. Yeah. And then it's like you play your round one meta and then you go home at night and you change your list around and change your sideboard in preparation for the meta that you just saw. And then you come back the next day and it's just a completely different meta and you've yeah. just screwed yourself. <laughs> yeah, you play Cephalid Breakfast round one or something yeah. just get, you know, stomped on. Yeah, or like yeah, I, I take out all the graveyard uh, hate out of my sideboard board because there's no graveyard hate in the room and then you go against like dredge dredge tin fins in your first three rounds <laughs> pretty much yeah uh the, the card i took out for it was null rod so i figured okay. i was definitely going to get paired against the epic storm and mm-hmm. uh or the affinity artifact deck and immediately get punished but <laughs> I, I got lucky and did not so That's so yeah nice. that first round uh, i was thinking great i'm gonna get carried all day that kind of sucks <laughs> um team bailed me out uh round two uh i got paired against lands which was exactly what i had expected and the first game went exactly how the game always goes Mm -hmm. i get them down to about three life they turtle up with 45 copies of maze of it and i get to do absolutely nothing while they you know eventually kill me so that one i conceded because i was worried about time uh when i just got locked out with triple maze of it and Sideboard strategy, I had two Alpine Moons, two Pithing Needles, again, having seen a bunch of lands. And my opponent, uh, when I played the second Pithing Needle off of Urza Saga, was not expecting that and literally just looked at it and said, I was not <laughs> expecting the second needle. <laughs> uh, so that, that ended up paying off really nicely. Uh, but I had, yeah, she was, she played Urza Saga, then a Mox Diamond, and then tried to loam back uh, the land that they pitched and I was able to force of negation exiling the, um, the loam. And then I went to my turn, played the Alpine moon naming Urza saga blowing up that land. Yep. So that ended up making it a pretty nice game. She's like, well, my plan was to, uh, loam back and make a whole bunch of constructs and you pretty much ruined that one. Nice. <laughs> so it's always nice when, well, like, like Jerry was saying, when the new sideboard, uh, uh gives you, gives you a hand there. That's fantastic. Yeah, it, I, I brought it in for largely for lands, but mm-hmm. uh, it ended up working out pretty good. The second needle in particular for some of the other matchups that I mm-hmm. faced. Uh, our, our third game went pretty long. Uh, that one, I was able to get both needles out, naming Maze of Ith, Ith and Thespian Stage, um, and just had enough time to make a bunch of constructs and, and get there with that in the Merktide. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So Merktide was kind of an MVP for the day, or what would you say was your MVP? Um, I think just making constructs, uh, and then the retrofitter foundry. So Urza yeah. Saga being able to grind people out the Jeskai deck plays like a control deck, uh, almost more than a tempo deck to where if you can get rid of their threats and, uh, cheese them out, either finish them with a Murktide. But a lot of times I felt like I was winning my games with construct tokens <laughs> and just being able to fetch up artifacts. That's interesting too. Cause you, you said like in your area lands is such a heavy presence in mm-hmm. uh in the uh northwest uh, it's interesting that uh you know constructs are are so powerful because i feel they would be more susceptible to all the wastelands in the room because not only do you have a lot of lands players running wastelands i'm sure that also means you have a lot of just wasteland players in general looking to counter the lands players yeah interestingly i didn't run any wastelands so i only ran the three years of saga and the colorless what i found was that a lot of times if you played out your duels they would try to wasteland you out of the game Mm-hmm. but I played more of a color heavy version. So I never really got color screwed. It came up 
against one of my, my next round opponent, but mostly I was able to just get them to basically bait, to take out my red sources when I was playing out cards. Mm-hmm. And then I just waited on playing out the tokens once they'd kind of run out their wastelands yeah. that ended up being pretty good to just let them try to run themselves out of gas and then uh, get them there late. Were you, were you on like the four volcanic three tundra list? Yep. Four okay. walks, three tundra, and then three Urza saga. And then yep. the, the fetch lands. Yep. Yep. That, that kind of reminds me of, uh, or makes me think about the heuristics episode we have coming up at, yep. uh, where yep. we're going to be talking about, uh, kind of just rules of thumb of legacy and a big rule of thumb for the longest time is, you know, waste your opponent off the, uh, the odd color mana, you know, mm-hmm. shut off a part of their deck. And, you know, maybe that heuristic is not nearly as uh, prevalent now because, um, you are, uh, you know, have all these other choices to choose from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping that people would be following that heuristic. So yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I, I played out the color sources. If I had two of one, I would intentionally, you know, fetch for the one that I had a duplicate of. So they would they would try to go after that particular uh, color source. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that made it out a lot of wastelands. So my Urza Saga surprisingly did not get wastelanded all that often uh, on hmm. the day. That, that's intriguing, you know. Speaking of big brain show and tell plays, what I'll do <laughs> is if I if I really need to, you know, cast a, a show and tell through like a Thalia or something, mm-hmm. and I want to protect my ancient tomb, I'll just throw a volcanic island out there, anyways, just to eat the wasteland mm-hmm. and then play the ancient tomb. That's what we call <laughs> big brain plays in the industry. <laughs> See, I just can't handle deciding whether I should draw seven or 14. And yeah. um, that's the hard part. Yeah, that's exactly. hard. really difficult. I like to just, you know, draw seven first and then draw the next seven to slow roll my opponent to make them wait. So they're like, I'm going to cast brainstorm. I'm like, okay, in response, draw seven <laughs> 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 and just, you know, big dick move them. Just oh, that's a nice thing. Three cards you got to draw and then put two back. <laughs> Wonder what I'm going to do with these back. seven. <laughs> yeah. Then they flash in a whole breacher and make you cry. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I would deserve it. <laughs> uh, awesome. Awesome. Um, so, so yeah. So you, you did see just a lot of uh, a lot of wastelands uh, in the area, but just kind of being mm-hmm. able to play around it, it wasn't that big a deal. Um, yeah. you mentioned Alpine moon earlier, were there lots of blood moons as well? Like what, what is, what does your meta look like in, in the Northwest compared to, you know, what you may hear from other parts of the country? I didn't see a lot of blood moon. Um, I saw one guy on a Grixis deck playing blood moon. That was the only blood moon I saw. I didn't see any of the, the mono red prison decks or the turbo blood moon decks. Um, and for the most part, it felt like it was a lot like the meta you'd see in a challenge or something online. You'd get some lands, some uh, four color control, uh, the the Bant varieties now playing super greedy mana, um, and then Delver, plenty plenty of that around as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So avoided the Blood Moon, which I cannot beat if it resolves. So oh, just straight up can't beat it. Just oh, because you don't have any yeah. basics, do you? Nope, not a single basic. So. I got ghost quartered uh, by the lands player and they were expecting me to go get a basic island. I was like, nope, don't, don't have a hmm. basic island. So. so tell me like if someone, let's say someone is able to land uh, like a needle on, on your, um, on your saga. Uh, mm-hmm. What, uh, like how does this deck function without Urza saga? I guess, I guess is my question or in your uh, experience is, is yeah. this Mer- Merktide plan B. Yeah, yeah, Merktide, you've got the Dragon's Rage Channeler, but I also have three Prismatic Endings in the main mm-hmm. board. So if okay. they do needle it, you can Prismatic Ending that. 
and then a fourth in the sideboard um, as well. So okay. Chalice and Needle and some of the other cards that might usually get you is more of a just kind of hold hold your sagas, wait for mm-hmm. it until you can remove it, or you know play out spells, then try to get a Merktide region on board. Yep. But yep. you're more than happy to play slow. I, I was almost always the last one finishing um, mm. for my team. So a lot of times it was you know one player won, one player lost, and then everybody's kind of waiting on me watching to, you yeah <laughs> yeah fi- finish it up <laughs> <laughs> just being the the person everyone gathers around uh, i like in team trios events to kind of like uh if anyone's played like uh tennis uh playing doubles tennis it's just a ho- totally different experience from playing singles tennis because having not just someone there with you but your teammate with you turning mm-hmm. what is usually a one-on-one game into a team game it just mm-hmm. has a very different atmosphere and a de- very different feeling and uh, a big part of that is you know you're the last the last uh, match that's uh left to resolve it's one to one and you're the deciding factor and everyone's watching your match <laughs> you got a lot more pressure riding on you yeah. And at the top tables and then later in the top eight, it was, there was just groups of people kind of surrounding and watching, uh, that, that finish up and sort of the deciding match. My teammates don't really play legacy. Um, so our modern player is, is definitely a better player than I am, but he has no clue what's going on in legacy. So a few mm-hmm. times he was like, you should play out the Merc tide here. I was like, Nope. He's like, why? I was like, well, I need to hold up, you know, pyroblast, because uh, mm-hmm the only thing that you're scared of is their Merc tide or like a true name nemesis. Cause my one match that I did lose, that's how I, how I lost was the, the true name, which once it's resolved, I, I have no way of beating it in my deck. Wow. And you can, do you feel like you can't race a true name nemesis? That's surprising to me. Um, you definitely can if you get your Merc tide online, but okay. uh, you know, in that case I didn't get there. So for, I think for a three, one, you can certainly try to race it, mm-hmm. make some big constructs to kind of attack, attack through it. But <clears throat> if they get it on early, your deck is surprisingly slow at putting on pressure mm-hmm. and making a big Merc Tide does take a little bit of time. So I, I found that you could fill your graveyard, you could get the dragon out, but it took a little more time. So I was pretty slow to close out a lot of my games. Yeah. We, I think we talked about this on last week's episode or maybe the episode before, but um, I feel the Jeskai, uh, you know, Urza deck is probably the only deck that true name is actually good against right now. Because mm-hmm. it's just such a poor racer against the rest of the format. It's just kind of unfortunate that you got paired against the, probably one of the few true name nemesis in the room. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of them. Uh, I knew he was playing it. I knew his list. We had played at FNM the week before and kind of compared lists and talked about it because he was playing the same deck. Um, so I think in the mirror, that's, a, that's definitely a mirror breaker. Mm-hmm. It's the true name nemesis. But there's a one of. And that's like the literal mirror breaker. It's like this card is only good in the mirror, but yeah. run it anyways. <laughs> when I was playing it online and had it, I, I found myself boarding it out so often. It's like I don't, I don't want this card most of the yeah, time. It's, I mean, it's it's too slow for blue red delver. It's yep. too slow for the combo decks. Um, like maybe it's good against lands if it's like a punishing fire based lands list. But right, I mean, even then, it's like you play a true name and then they make a Marilage and you kind of feel silly. <laughs> Yeah, you could race this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that is, that is interesting. Um, so, that was kind of a rough a rough break against the true name. But uh, what was what would you say was kind of your best match of the day? Like, what which one was just like the that you know easiest match that you could go into? You know, just like oh, just fill out the slip now. Uh, you know, frankly, I wanted to play against Blue Red Delver. Uh, okay. I had a really good plan for that deck. 
So with the prismatic endings, four swords to plowshares, the fourth prismatic ending in the sideboard, I was playing two pyroblasts and two red blasts as well. So I felt like the only thing that really would, would make me lose that matchup is getting tempoed out early where I just have a you know low land hand and they wasteland me out of it and do the Delver thing. But if the game goes remotely long, I felt like I had sort of inevitability. Eight ways to remove a Murktide if you can't counter it. And that matchup felt really, really good against the, the different blue-red decks. Um, I played a quasi-mirror in the quarterfinals against the blue-red uh, Saga deck, which was also playing, you know, Murktides and Monkeys and all that. And it felt pretty, pretty favored because the, the white removal was just really, really good. I, I was going to think like prismatic, prismatic ending must be huge in that matchup. Yeah, I mean, they get a retrofitter foundry and you can just take it out with prismatic ending. Yep. You you play it and unless they draw on a braid, they just have no way to do it. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they have one or like a meltdown or in a braid in the sideboard. So once you get that online, it's, it's pretty hard for them to deal with it. And you mm-hmm. can just plug up just as fast, but you can actually remove their stuff where they can't get yours. Sick. Yeah, it seems like it's, uh, we talk a lot about like the step basis of the legacy meta where... Mm-hmm. Uh, the traditional thinking is you want to be one step above your opponent. Um, you know, you don't want to just be the mirror. You don't want to be one step lower because then you'll lose. And if you're too far ahead, then they just get under your guns and they mm-hmm. can beat you. But yeah, it feels like, you know, blue red Delver is the best deck in the format. So you're choosing to just prey on blue red Delver by just going, you know, one step above them. Yeah. And the white removal, I, I mean, I, I tested Delver a lot, uh, my primary testing partner, he ended up playing blue red in the event. And we tested both the Jess guy and the blue red event, the blue red Delver decks, which are obviously extremely powerful. Um, I just liked the white removal. I felt like it was uh, sort of the mirror breaker to where I felt favored there. It also, I think gave me a better matchup against stuff like lands and just random nonsense. Uh, if somebody did get a chalice, having a prismatic ending is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Especially the prismatic ending. I just can't, put into words how useful it is having it be able to hit non-creatures as well because um, mm-hmm. i think when it was spoiled it was like oh this is cool it's kind of like a source to plow shares but not as good and then i think people just didn't really put as much emphasis on the fact that it can hit pithing needles it can you know hit lion's eye diamonds and you know force your opponent to make a play it just it, it just has a, a lot more application than just being a creature removal spell and sometimes uh, post board, you know, game one, every once in a while, you get the hand that's Dragon's Rage Channeler, um, Monkey Days, and, you know, uh, a Murktide. And you can actually get out and just tempo them out in game one. They don't even know that you're playing white. Yeah. So post, post sideboard, I had several times where they thought I was on Delver. And then post sideboard, you know, they play their stuff out. I prismatic ending them, swords to plowshares. And they're just <laughs> really not, really not prepared for, for what was happening. All right. Yeah. Uh that's cool. So uh what else uh what else took place over the day? Yeah, I had um I played against Death and Taxes in round three. And I I if he's listening to this, he was uh, a hell of a sport about it. I played him in day one and we had a similar match, super grindy and really close, where the deciding play was him having four lands and two cards in hand, playing the fifth land, casting solitude uh to try to take out my Murktide regent where my last card in hand was a daze. And the day before I blew him out really hard with that. And I think this was my favorite play because obviously it didn't resolve. I kept my Murktide win the game. I played him again, round three of day two and the same exact play came up. I had my Murktide region out. He was more or less dead on board. He had two cards in hand, plays a fifth land, 
Cast of Solitude. And before it, he's like, you have one card in hand. It's like, there's no way that's a daze again. <laughs> and it was a daze. So I, I dazed oh, the solitude. Man. And he just looks at his teammate. He's like, you remember that guy I told you that blew me out with the not playing around days yesterday? It's like, yeah, same guy. Just did it again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was game three that I had everything. I had the Blazing Volley, Torpor Orb, and the Containment Priest to flash in for, for that. As Yeah, I, I ran pretty, pretty hot against that guy. Um, mm. But the days was pretty ridiculous that was my that was my favorite play <laughs> awesome awesome <laughs> sick um so uh what was uh what was you said that was round three How'd yeah I... round three was death and taxes round four was blue red painter with saga oh. Oh, and uh, i didn't know until about halfway through game one what the heck he was doing it just looked like <laughs> it just looked like Delver was derping around and couldn't find a threat and was mm-hmm. cantripping repeatedly. He had like four volcanic islands out, and uh, eventually he you know casts a painter servant. It's like got it. I see what's going on, mm-hmm. and um, he never found the the grindstone combo. But this is another one where Pithing Needle having access to two in the sideboard ended up being very powerful because they're playing Urza Saga. So the Alpine Moon took out the sagas, and then I was able to pithing needle uh his grindstone i'm surprised he's struggled because i feel blue red uh painter is super consistent now with uh having urza saga able to find half the combo urza saga doesn't work when you have an alpine moon out though oh that's that's what it is gotcha yeah. so you had the alpine moon okay yeah <laughs> that card being one-sided is pretty stupid uh yeah yeah it doesn't shut off both it just shuts off your opponent's cards just your opponents <laughs> I, I got pretty lucky I, I think that was one i probably should have lost that match there was a, a sequencing and line of play in game three where um i think he just played too quickly trying trying to finish the game out and then mm-hmm. walked into a to some counter magic and his, his teammates were almost scolding him after the game. Like, why didn't you take this line of play? And I'm just like, I'm going to pack my stuff up and walk away. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Yeah. That was, and ironically that was round four where we thought we could draw in. Uh, but it turns out we were the only undefeated after four rounds. So our round five opponent, we had to, to actually play it out. They couldn't draw. And I got paired against Hogak, which shouldn't be a good matchup. And, um, that ended up being probably my easiest win. I matched against him later in the semifinals uh, and it was much closer, but you, sometimes you have the opening where you're on the play, you have a volcanic Island, a uh, Ragavan and a daze, and you just feel like you can't lose. Mm-hmm. So I play the monkey daze, his hedron crab attack daze, his next hedron crab, because he, you know, wants to get the landfall trigger. So plays that. And just never had a way to get anything online. And then game two, uh, containment priests, you know, holding that up with the treasure tokens because I had the monkey again and waiting, waiting until the, the blood gas triggers are on the stack to, to enter the battlefield and flashing in the containment priest was pretty much game. That's uh, do you play much magic online or are you ex- exclusively a paper opponent uh, player? Uh, yeah, I do play magic online, mostly for testing. Um because I was going to so say I, that that line of play is a very magic online line of play. Yeah. Because a lot of paper uh, players, they might get one blood gassed just because they're not used to how the triggers stack and yeah. the way their mm-hmm. opponents could put it into play is like one at a time. And so like they get the first one and then their opponent just doesn't bring the second one in. But uh, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting that you, you, you saw that and you kind of set that up correctly. 
Yeah, Magic Online is a, a heck of an advantage and a good tool. Um, I started testing for this a while back, again, trying to do anything not to play blue. So the last time I did play blue, but it was for Breakthrough, Narc Amoeba, uh, that nonsense, mm-hmm. and just did bad with everything. Um, but yeah, I'm not a great Magic Online player, I'm not a grinder. I'm not usually playing like the challenges and that kind of stuff, but I will go on and test, and especially if I'm trying out some nonsense or new lists. So usually I'm not playing something super refined. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I do recommend it. You know, it's just, I think it's no coincidence that some of the best magic, uh, magic legacy players in general are also mm-hmm. magic online players just because yeah. it's all about reps. Like those are the lines of play that you see in your hundredth game of legacy. You don't see it in, you know, your first couple. So if you want to be really good, you just need to get those reps in more than anything else. Yeah, I probably played 50 leagues with this deck before the tournament. So, I mean, yeah. I did grind quite a bit to to get the testing in and knowing how to play against certain things. And, um, it paid you know, off. My hatred for lands was was definitely there. My <laughs> my wife heard me swearing many times, you know, uh, fuck Tabernacle, I hate this card. <laughs> uh, more Maze of It, actually, is, is usually the one that would tick me I, off. Yeah. yeah, I hate Maze. <laughs> Gotta hate that card. <laughs> <laughs> but then I took Wasteland out of my deck. That was a good idea to have a better Lance matchup. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> um, so you had to play it out round five. Was it was six, round six, the last round? Yeah. Round six, we get paired against uh, my, my friends who we were testing with. So they were at my house for mm-hmm. weeks testing ahead of the tournament. And we got to uh, head across the street and get some pho while everybody else had to, to play it out and, and sweat Wait. it. Wait, some pho? Nice. Yep. The Vietnamese beef noodle soup. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. No. <laughs> I didn't know if that was like a Seattle local slang for like a sandwich. Like, <laughs> we're going to get some hoagies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, Vietnamese soup. It's one of my favorites. But um, gotcha. So we, we went and got dinner and then came back. And then uh, in the that was when I played against the Blue Red Saga deck. And that was a really close matchup. That player, I've played against him before. Um, and I know he's a very good player. So I've seen him like do really well in PTQs and other things around the Northwest. So that was one where I figured um, need to play really tight and really well. Of course, mm-hmm. my modern player wins. He didn't, he lost two games the whole, the whole weekend. So wow. he just won every round. Um, Pioneer player got rolled pretty quick. And then we just had a really grindy matchup uh, that got there. 20 people around the table kind of watching everything. It's like, all right, well, yep. don't screw this up while everybody's watching, Jonathan. <laughs> so couldn't you couldn't draw in round six because you said you were the last undefeated team going into round five, and then you won round five? Yeah, so round six we were able to draw. Um, oh, and you just played it out for fun? Uh, no, that was our, our friends. So we, we drew with oh. our friends. Oh, round- I'm sorry, yep. Gotcha. Yeah, round, gotcha. round five, they had a couple teams with a draw. So they were 3-0-1. So if they mm-hmm. if they drew in and then had to play out the next round, they wouldn't necessarily make top eight. Yep. So they, they had to play it out. And uh, we ended up winning winning that round. That team did make it, and they were our uh, opponents in the semifinals again. Um, cool. So that was the, the Hogak uh, player. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm back on track now. Back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Stay with us, Jerry. Stay it's with good. Us. There's yeah. all these, all these p- formats flying around. I can't keep them straight. <laughs> yeah. There's only one that matters. Um, <laughs> so we, we, I ended up pulling out that match in the quarterfinals and then the semis, 
you know, you get to the end where uh, everybody's like, well, we kind of want to go home, split, call it, call it a weekend. But then there's always the one that's like, no splits, kill them all. Uh, uh, you mean Pat? Pat, yeah, Pat. Pat actually just got <laughs> off the plane and, and just walked into the tournament hall. And just yeah, not kick the door down. There's, <laughs> o- there's always the one asshole that you're just like, I hope that guy loses in the quarterfinals. <laughs> uh, except for you know the the one was actually my friend. He was just like, there's no way we're splitting. We want the trophy, and I'm like, whatever. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to root for them to lose. Unfortunately, they did. Uh, they played against like a team was all blue white control decks and did not match up well. Um, so in the semifinals, we got repaired against the team with Hogak. And game one, I was actually a bit concerned because Hogak did the thing that they were supposed to do, which is just absolutely beat the crap out of the blue decks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were on the play, which was nice. And I had the, the monkey days shenanigans again. But uh, he very, very wisely played around days uh, with his Hedron crabs. And he just got online so quick that that deck, when it gets a couple of Venge Vines out and an eight, eight trampler is pretty, pretty darn hard to stop. Um, so post board, I was just able to, to get there. I found a couple of the hate pieces getting the soul guide lantern, um, you know, in your opening hand certainly helps. And then drawing your containment priests, uh, when they're on the venge find plan, every game also is, is pretty, pretty darn helpful. The one of in the sideboard. All right. So pretty good. got there with against Hogak. And then we, we split the finals uh the other team that was there andy wilson uh he's on twitter too pretty pretty frequently mm-hmm. but he was on i think four color control so that deck did really well on the weekend too the bant deck mm-hmm. basically splashing um red for uh expressive iteration which is really really powerful that's in- that's interesting that the uh the mid-range decks are edging out the uh the tempo decks just based on kind of that small data sample there is that kind of your thoughts of looking around the room of what you saw happening yeah i, I feel like the the mid-range decks did do pretty well they just went slightly above delver and the basically having the access to the white removal and then the bant decks in particular in my experience testing delver um endurance is a really difficult card because they can just blow you out really hard uh, getting your delvers killing your dragon's rage channelers you know, taking your delirium off while you're in mid attacks because you have to attack it and just getting a free block. Um, mm-hmm. They also are on a copy of Loam, Life from the Loam. So just being able to loam back your wastelands, playing two copies of that, uh, that, that made the matchup pretty difficult for me uh, when I did get paired against it. So th- I think that would have been an interesting matchup. Uh, it's definitely close, but, you know, at that point, we, we decided to just split the finals and, our, our main negotiation was, you know, who gets the trophies and the uh, champion playmats. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> did you walk away with the trophy? I did. Uh, I Excellent. refused to split. I have a nine-year-old daughter, and every time I go to a Magic tournament and do well, her first question is always, did you get a trophy? And <laughs> I, I made it clear. I said, there is no way I am coming home without a trophy for, uh, you know, my daughter and telling her I won and didn't get it. So they're like, seriously, that's your only thing? That's awesome. Like, I don't care about the money. I was like, we can split that, whatever. But uh, I'm I'm taking a trophy home to show my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty good. Like, no one's gonna be the dick to argue with that. Oh, you gonna you gonna make a little girl cry? <laughs> you gonna yeah, not let right? her not let her dad take home the uh, take home the trophy? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then they find out later. I don't even have a kid. You're like, yeah, ah. <laughs> you're not, not even married. Just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all like. <laughs> yeah, so that, the the drive home. 
my wife told her that I won a trophy and she stayed up to like 1130 at night and ran downstairs to see it when I got home. <laughs> oh, so man, she was pretty that, excited. That's awesome. I that's love awesome. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, that's sick. That's a, that's a great tournament report thing. Thanks for sharing it. I'm uh I'm jealous. You got to have such an awesome time and maybe I'll give team trios another shot. Cause that, that does, uh, that does make me want to kind of have the team, the team atmosphere in a in a legacy mm. tournament. Fly to Seattle in July. You can be our pioneer player. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd rather shoot myself, but okay. Know what we got to do. I, I haven't played it probably in about a decade, but one of my favorite like team uh, formats was legacy unified two headed dragon. Hmm. Uh, so basically it's two V two teams and you're both playing the same game. So it's like a two V two four player game. And each of you have a shared four card limit between your two decks. Interesting. Okay. It's like a two headed giant almost, but the constructed format instead yeah, of the exactly. sealed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I said two headed dragon. Two headed giant. Yeah. Um, oh. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's constructed, and you have you have a shared you know constructed, so you can only you know if one player is four brainstorm, the other player cannot have four brainstorm. At least you don't hmm. have to find eight volcanic islands. That's helpful. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, me and my friend Mike did it uh, at this event, and. Uh, I played uh, mono black tin fins and he, <laughs> he played mono blue counter spells <laughs> and we ended up winning the entire tournament that way. It was so much fun. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. He's just, he's just saying no to everything while you're trying to kill yeah, everybody just, on turn one. I'm just comboing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It sounds like a pretty smart strategy for that kind of tournament. Uh, right. <laughs> just, you know, how do you, how do you answer that when you've got a deck full of no's and then, uh, you know, make the combo finish. Yeah. I think, I think my buddy Mike. I think the literally the only win condition in the entire deck was a singleton Jace. Like that was the only win condition in his deck. <laughs> and that was just a J storm to your and other. It, and it's, it's all, because it's two headed giant. You also have to remember what a bad, Win condition it is because you have to alt jace twice in order to get it to work. <laughs> yeah, that, that does seem pretty bad. <laughs> well, uh, Jonathan, was there anything else you wanted to uh, talk about before we started wrapping up here? Uh, I don't think so. You know, I, I appreciate what you guys do, and uh, it was kind of fun to be on the show and you know share a little bit about the experience here, and uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more tournaments in the near future with. Uh, you know, someday when COVID decides to get lost. We're so, I feel like we're so close. We're so close. Hell yeah. Uh, you said, it said the store was Geek Fortress, right? Yeah. Geek Fortress is the, the place that okay. puts it on. That's a and sweet they're doing name. another one. Yeah. It's a sweet shop. They do uh, legacy tournaments up there. And I've, you know, I'll go play like a 1K or something there as well. Mm-hmm. They're doing another one actually in Tacoma. Uh, it's going to be a larger event at the end of July in next year. So we'll try to run it back nice. and see if we can. Man, maybe go we on. should go to something like that, yeah, Jerry. What, what, uh, what town is it in? Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma, so it's just so. south of Seattle. So SeaTac Airport's like right there. Gotcha. So okay. if you're local guys and you're listening, make sure you check out Geek Fortress because we love shops that support Legacy. So go support them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, Well, let's get into Scoops and Poops. Scoops. Then, Jerry. Uh, so every week on the show, we obviously scoop someone in top eight. Um, 
or or something or a group of people or sometimes a music music uh, artist but uh jerry who do you want to scoop in in top eight this week all right this you're gonna laugh bad <laughs> but if it's boston it's market not boston market <laughs> okay. i'm gonna scoop right. in my jordan's furniture sleep tech professional scott <laughs> <laughs> So you you know you watch the commercials you, you watch the commercials for Jordan's Furniture and they're like come on in to Jordan's Furniture and we have our sleep tech professionals who are measure your body and they'll use the Bridget core system to take your vitals and match you and I'm like all right whatever it's it's a load of junk and then I go to Jordan's Furniture to buy a mattress and I meet Scott and it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that well, he has a soothing voice and he's wearing the lab coat making him look all professional no oh yeah he's wearing, wearing a lab they make him, they wear, make a him lab wear lab coat. coats and then he brings me over to the to the bridget which is this like i'm already it's out like, it's I'm like this inflatable inflatable balloon tied to a computer and they have you lie in it and then they like inflate the balloon and it like lifts you up and measures your body points and he was so reassuring he offered us like sanitary towels for the pillows so we could try him out and i just felt so at ease and i walked out of there spending three thousand dollars <laughs> which That's was why, Jerry, which was double you've my, been double my budget going in <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like Scott was worth it, Pat. Scott was worth it. Wow. So sh- wow. scoop into Scott, the Jordan's furniture sleep tech professional. Who knew who knew a $15 lab coat was a 2X multiplier? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, the lab coat. Scott just did such a great job. He had a soothing voice. He, you said he had a lab well, coat. Yeah, on. but I mean that wasn't what caused me. <laughs> that is what made him listen to the uh uh you know his own vaccine research pamphlet that he gave yes. at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And let me tell you about this vaccine, <laughs> this Tempur-Pedic vaccine. Yep, yep. Uh, Jonathan, how about you? Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? I uh, got to scoop my team in for for all the testing, as well as my testing partners. Uh, the other team that made top eight, so they they made it. But my friend Travis, uh, Travis eight four two seven on Magic Online, he's much much more of a grinder, better player than I am. We tested the heck out of Legacy, just all kinds of matchups and we're texting all the time about you know whatever changed to the sideboard card in the main deck so uh definitely a huge help in the process so scooping all those guys in nice um and i'm gonna scoop in uh i'm gonna scoop i you know i don't have any scoops this week jerry i didn't have a, i didn't have a big uh, week this we week. Give... actually no 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 i do have a scoop i'm sorry uh, so i already gave your scoop to travis to scott so uh oh. scott's got two scoops oh. now <laughs> Two scoops. Two scoops. scoops. (laughs) Um, It's been a while since we had two scoops. Um, I'm going to scoop in my junior, uh, my junior pee wee football team. We had a nice win this week, one in overtime, which is really exciting. Did the kids? Do the kids wear lab coats? They don't wear lab coats. They wear football. uh, They wear football equipment, and there are athletes on the team. Jerry Scott. (laughs) Well, I don't know. They might be able to tackle Scott pretty good. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's that's awesome, uh, Jonathan. Thanks so much for coming on this week, man, and talking with us. And uh, we appreciate you reaching out and saying, "Hey, we had a really cool tournament over here at the store," and then taking the time out of your day to to tell us about it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Appreciate y'all having me on. And uh, you know, we get to do the poops too. Can I poop on Maze of it? Oh, yeah, I, I love it. Go I love it. Poop. Yeah, Maze of it. Screw that card. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I second that for Makes sure. You wish you yeah. had your wastelands. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely so- did. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out this week. Uh, Jonathan, again, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Bye.